Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast, where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas, and it is Monday, February 6th, 2023, and there are two amazing things about today. First, we are past the beginning of the year, so pat yourselves on the back. I, for one, am very excited that we are already in it and no longer on the on-ramp period after the holidays. And the second thing is that Succession is officially back next month. And I saved, not to flux, but I saved the last three episodes of season three, just so I wouldn't have to wait too long between the new season. So I'll be spending this month slowly indulging on one episode in preparation for the March 26th Succession debut. I'm super excited. But speaking of Succession and business and tech, let's do what we're here for and jump into the markets. All right, let's start in the markets and big tech section. As always, I'm going to give you two quirky news items to care about instead of the most recent tech stock news. But first, let's jump into news per the Economic Times in India that SoftBank CEO Masayoshi Son is going to skip SoftBank's earnings call for the first time. This is big news for anyone like me who is nerdy enough to know about SoftBank's earnings call culture. It's all about flashy presentations, crazy one-liners. I think one of the slides in the recent past was unicorns jumping off of a cliff into valleys, trying to gnaw their way out. And, you know, those were the headlines that were really fun to talk through. I can link some in the show notes. The fact that SoftBank CEO is not joining the earnings call for the first time just gives me the huge sense, obviously, that SoftBank wants a new vibe. They want to give a new tone to their firm, to the conglomerate as the tech markets really struggle and as there's so many questions being raised around SoftBank's ability to be a leader in the space, raise funds and invest them in a smart way. We did know back in November, according to Wall Street Journal reporting, that Masayoshi Son was going to drop his fund presentations and no longer really answer questions by the media. But maybe SoftBank realized that having him on the call but silent is a louder look, really, than not having him altogether. So obviously, TechCrunch will be all over the earnings tomorrow, Tuesday. So check the site then. The other news I have for you is around GetAround, a platform I actually use a ton. It's peer-to-peer car sharing. And I recently learned that you can get a tap on the wrist and kind of embarrassed if your company on the stock market is trading at less than $1 over a consecutive 30-day period. What I'm saying is GetAround officially got a delisting warning from the New York Stock Exchange because ever since it debuted on the public markets in December 2022, yes, there was back, it has seen its stock price fall and you do get a warning if you're a company that has had less than $1 per share over that 30-day period. Oh, that's such a tough verdict to get. And more than embarrassing, I think it shows how fast you can go from a company that felt strong enough to debut to a company now that needs to get its stuff together over the next few months. I also learned that beyond this delisting warning, they now have six months to cure this deficiency and regain compliance with its listing standards. We already know that GetAround is taking steps towards getting there. And in this time of tech, we know that steps unfortunately means layoffs. Around a day after this delisting warning came to light, GetAround announced that it is laying off 10% of staff, part of a restructure aimed at obviously putting it on a more sustainable and long-term growth trajectory. 
so like I said, unfortunately, a lot of the right sizing these days comes at the cost of employees. So for the big idea this week, I want to talk about a company that's actually focused on the wellness of employees and gives us some balance to the negative news. I'm talking about Minu, which is a Mexico-based startup that's all about intertwining financial and employee wellness. It raised $30 million, and it's really betting on the idea of gamifying and rewarding people around benefits. So let me explain. It has over 30 benefits. It has like health and mental health access. It has insurance discounts, financial education, virtual fitness classes, and employees who consume some of the content on its platform then get rewards. So let's say you do a meditation class. Can that turn into you getting a better life insurance dollar amount or increased percentage savings after you take a financial education class? It is really betting on this idea thanks to the country of Mexico because it passed legislation that mandates companies to monitor the stress of employees and have mechanisms in place to help them. So it's not just betting on employers, like I said before, having the wellness in their own hearts to do right by their employees. It's actually legislation based. The reason it stood out to me, though, more than anything is I think so often when I hear personal finance tool or when I hear health tech tool, I hear of these two separate companies doing two separate things that is going to hopefully, yes, make employees lives easier but still cause a lot of upfront burden on the employee, whether it means checking things on a daily basis or thinking about their health proactively. That's a hard thing to do. Minu stands out to me because it's a more holistic attempt at creating a platform that doesn't just look at money, for example, as one part of your wellness. It's kind of this HR tech meets fintech meets health tech meets edtech tool, which on one end, yes, that sounds like a logistical headache. But on the other end, it sounds like a more natural way to help a population that is underbanked, maybe struggles with personal finance, is in the middle class, get on top of these things by by gamifying it. Because we are all humans and having games, having an added reason to open up a platform and use it and consume content to me feels like a very human answer to a very human struggle. Back to startups, we are going to talk about serial entrepreneurs making an appearance all over headlines over the recent weeks. I mean, we know that high profile founders, especially those who have left over the downturn in the past 12 months, are likely to come back. And there is that entrepreneurship bug that gets rooted in everyone. But I have just been overwhelmed with the amount of comeback stories and returns or even double downs that I've seen. So let's run through four examples. Number one, last year we heard that Instacart co-founder Apoorva Mehta has already raised $30 million for his new company, Cloud Health Systems, that wants to offer consumers medical consultations, other healthcare-related services. And that same funding round has already valued the company at $200 million. He's not the only entrepreneur that is actually creating a health tech company despite knowing them for a very different reason. Last week, we actually learned that Spotify founder Daniel Ek is building a new health tech startup four years in the making, and it's a body scanning service based in Sweden. So both Spotify and Instacart, nothing to do with health tech, have these two founders jumping into entrepreneurship into the early stages again. The last two examples I have recently are actually consumer social startups, founders staying in the consumer social space. So a little bit more predictable, but still exciting. We learned that Zenly co-founder Antoine Martin is returning to the market with the launch of a new company called Ammo. And it's going to be based on not doom scrolling TikTok and really the idea of connecting real world friends. The other example we have, I already talked about it on the Friday show and in the newsletter, but Instagram co-founders are back. They're launching a debut product called Artifact, which is all about a personalized newsreader. So four examples, four very different founders, histories, and returns. And to me, it just kind of continues that trend of 
serial entrepreneurs always coming back? And also, what does it mean when you get to build a really successful company? What does that give you when you're building your next company? For a Pover Meta, for example, we already know that this early stage company is valued at 200 million. And as recent news also shows us, there's more scrutiny around it. People with Artifact, people with a Pover Meta's new company, Cloud Health Systems, have opinions, both legal and just emotional. So there's something I think really serious, even though it's exciting with these returns. Let's end our startup section this week by throwing it back to my most recent Startups Weekly, a weekly newsletter that I put out. You can subscribe to it and it comes out every Saturday morning. For my most recent column, I wrote about how founders thinking about return to office need to really just start paying attention to the numbers. I spoke to Cruise Consulting, which is an accounting firm for startups, and they mined over 750 companies' finances, which includes upward of 300 million in quarterly revenue and over 750 million in quarterly spend. Healy Jones, who leads their financial planning practice there, looked at how companies that were founded after the early COVID days are making revenue compared to if they have an office or not. And I'm not going to ruin the data. I want you to read the piece because there's a lot of interesting insights in there. But let's just say this debate between when you're a pre-revenue startup, do you try and hire the best talent you can anywhere in the world? Or do you prioritize in-person, collaborative and accountable work? It's a debate that finally has some numbers around it. So please read the piece. Use code equity for 50% off annual passes. This piece and a ton of our best coverage lies on the TC Plus side of things. So definitely check it out. And that is a wrap. Thank you for letting me start your week with you, whether it is the morning, the night, later in the week. Thank you for being here. And I appreciate the time. As always, I'm Natasha Mascarenas. You can follow me on Twitter at nmask underscore but I'm posting more on Instagram these days. So catch me there at Natasha, the reporter. You can also follow Equity on Twitter at EquityPod and we will all be back super, super soon. So chat soon. Equity Mondays are hosted by myself, senior TechCrunch reporter Natasha Mascarenas. We're produced by Teresa Loconsolo with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development and Henry Picavet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week.